Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mliwa Gavaza, and for today, uh, we're going to be focusing on the world of uh, business uh, development, or rather small business support. Uh, what can we do um, when it comes to actually helping um, uh, businesses uh, to either rise up, um, to grow, or to just go further in life? So, Pune, greetings to you today. Good day, how are you? No, 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 we're doing good on this end. Good place for us to start is always um, the company, uh, just so that people understand uh, the context from within which you're coming from. So, Imzizi, um, a little bit around that. This is your chance to give an elevator pitch. <laughs> okay, so Imzizi Evolution as a venture builder, as you have rightly said, uh, we're 50 million, we're raising a 50 million fund yeah. uh, venture building and we're backing uh, women-owned businesses mm-hmm. who are doing, you know, who are either providing the services or products that are needed, necessity-driven needs. Yeah. If you think about the Maslow Triangle, yeah. it would be your clothing, your food, your shelter. And we're backing those women up because of the potential, firstly. And the second, you've just mentioned that employment is a big issue in South Africa. And most women-owned businesses actually on 99.9% of women-owned businesses started businesses because they wanted to actually create an impact or create employment. And for us, we've realized that, you know, to change the status quo of what's happening currently in South Africa, um, women-owned businesses are the model that we actually want to go with. Was there a reason uh, to decide that you want to target women specifically? Yes. Um, firstly, in the VC space, um, women-owned businesses, especially in, South, in Africa, actually, are not funded uh, as well as the male counterparts. And this is a history, right? Um, it could be gender bias. You know, a lot of existing companies, corporates, funders are male-dominated. And so maybe it's a, it's a matter of they can't, they, they can't relate to women-owned businesses. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But there is a, um, a, a huge gap in how women-owned businesses are funded. But also for us, you know, at the, at, the, at the bottom of everything that we want to do, we want to tackle poverty in South Africa. And for us, women-owned businesses just make sense because, like I'd said, women, women start businesses for a reason. There is an impact that they are trying to, to, to achieve. Um, they want to make a change. They are wanting to create employment. They are trying to make their communities better. There's always a bigger reason for them actually starting businesses than just... I want to make money, I've got a cool product. And that's why we are um, funding women. Okay, cool. Um, I, I think it, uh, it, it, it's understood from that point of view that, uh, you know, that is a key demographic in the country and, uh, you know, very good to get uh, behind such businesses. And um, in terms of raising the fund, right, how far, am, am I allowed to ask how far you've gone in that process? I mean, yes, you, you, you can ask. <laughs> we have gone pretty far. We've currently self-funded uh, a lot of the stuff that we've done. Uh, very, I think we've gotten like one grant in the meantime, but we are still raising the majority of the fund. But what we have been doing is that we're not going to let that stop us, you know, because as a venture builder, we've got the ideation hub, we've got the incubation, we've got the acceleration, and then we've got the fund, right? And that's what makes us different from just incubators, just accelerators, just VCs. Yeah. Um, and because of that, 
we we realize that the low-hanging fruit is something that we can do, a capabilities that we currently have in our existing companies. So the the incubate the the cohorts that we currently the companies that we currently have, we are we put them in a program and we're assisting them with growing their businesses and growing their them as leaders. And where we can, um, we're currently either offering small grants or paying POs. So you want to buy machinery somewhere, yeah. and we are able to then facilitate that. We are currently doing those. Um, we, are, we that's where we are currently. I'm very curious because we we started off the discussion saying that you guys are newly launched, yes. but you guys already have uh, traction, yeah. uh, right? You already yeah. have things going on. Uh, how far along are we when we say you guys are new? <laughs> We're about a year plus. A year plus. Mm. And how many businesses are you backing at the moment? We currently have five businesses that we are backing. Um all of them women-owned businesses. Uh, and it's a combination. Some had just started. Some had been in business for a while. And actually, one of our most interesting were two women who were full-time employed. And they'd started the business, so they were working part-time. And one of their biggest issues was, you know, who's going to jump off first without us having a client? And so speaking them through that and, and developing through that was actually so beautiful to see. At the end, one of them jumped off. So, yeah. I think we are we're on the right track so far. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's good. It is an interesting conundrum, you know, when you are thinking about how to support small businesses. You mentioned all of the different elements that are part of your venture building process or what makes differentiates you guys in the market. And I like the fact that you you said it in that way because I was going to ask what is a venture builder? How is a venture builder? How is it different? But for me, a key question is to then say, because you've got all of these elements, do all the businesses have to go through all the different elements or do you address each business at whatever stage they are at in their in their life cycle? Yeah. So maybe let me, if, if you'll allow me, I'll explain a little bit. So with the, the, the different parts we have in the business, the ideation hub, which I'm actually super excited about because I've got so many ideas. So the ideation hub basically means that we internally uh, come up with an idea, we develop it to like an MVP stage, yeah. and then we will reach out to um, individuals who have the capability, who have the entrepreneurial spirit to drive that business, right? Um, and then we hand that over to them, and then we almost help them develop the business and them uh, and the and the person together, right? That's one one way we we, we assist. The incubation is is usually startup, like very very early or idea stage to maybe three years, and and yes, we do separate them in that way because the guys in the incubation system have just started, you know, one to three years. Their 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 requirements and the the, the support and assistance they need yeah. is way different to a person who's been in business in three years. And I'll give you an example. You know, when we started Imizis, not Imizis Evolution, which is um, our other company, when we started Imizis, we were part of these ESD programs, right? But I'm sitting there a year in business and I'm sitting with a person who's been in business for seven years. So when a person, an SME comes in to talk to us, that person has like a thousand questions to ask, relevant business questions to ask that I can't think about at this moment, right? And so I felt like this is, it's, it's, it's not worth my while. 
And so with what we are then doing, um, you know, looking at our lessons uh, learned is that these guys, firstly, we, we will look at the business individually and, and monitor it that way. But we also have the cohorts. But zero to three years means that more or less you've got similar issues. You've got similar way that you had a um, similar trend. Yeah. Um, uh, what's, what's it called? Trajectory trajectory in the business yes you you're around more or less in a similar trajectory so it's easier for us to then target the training for the person and the business in that way right and then the incubate the acceleration as the word says is that the business is ready to grow they're wanting to scale they've been in business for a while and so there's a lot more other things um compliance governance that they need to understand investment readiness for them is more way more critical than a a business that's just started. So how we engage with them and the SMEs, the subject matter experts we we have for them in their trainings are also very different. And then the funding is just the, the, the funding. But obviously, we will try to ensure that we fund people who've accelerated. It makes sense of, to us because we've, we've helped you in your business. We know where it's going and we know how we will get the funds back, right? Um, but in other instances, like a, a normal VC model, uh, whoever's funding us, sometimes they'll... they'll you know, define at a high level who or who we can't fund. So it's not a it's not a linear process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's different yeah. people in different uh, parts. But a per a company can actually start with us from incubation all the way to funding. I'm very curious uh, because you guys have set this up um, within Imzizi, yes. right? To understand. Just for a moment, uh, just just from a contextual point of view, because I think context is always important. Why the MCZ, right? Yes. What's the speciality there? So it's a people management and advisory company from hire to retire. Uh, we are assisting um, companies, you know, with business insights and, and business uh, analytics to be able for them to make better decisions. So we, we've got sourcing and staffing, recruitment, um, temporary employment services, outsource payroll. Uh, we've got outsourced people management, which looks more at the talent, uh, the organizational structure, talent management, performance management. We can either offer that to you at full or in bits and pieces. We're flexible in that way. And then we've got the, the advisory um, and consulting. And there we're doing project delivery. Um, we're doing strategy. We're doing data and, uh, and analytics. And all of these might sound like they don't, they don't, they're not connected, but they all at the bottom of it is, is people. How do you, how do you work with your people to be able to ensure your organizational objectives are, are, are met? So that's the wider MSP. Oh, MSP is the new one. <laughs> we've just partnered with SAP. Yeah. Um, so we've got MSP, which is a managed uh, service provider. So if you've got an organization, you've got many, many vendors. Yeah. Um, we almost help, we help consolidate uh, and help you manage those vendors. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. So it, it, it flows in nicely with MSP's evolution, right? Because here we're looking at the human aspect in an, in an existing organization. Uh, in Mrs. Evolution, we're looking at the business, a small business, and how that person can then be groomed to be able to grow that business as well. Yeah, no, because I, I think it, uh, once again, the, the context is important uh, because I was curious to understand whether for the evolution part of, um, you know, what you guys are doing, whether you 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 bring in completely new capability to to develop this unit or do you leverage what you already have in analytics in consulting you know and the like uh to make the, to make something like that happen we greatly leverage on what we have 
I mean, most of it is leadership development. Um, and I think it's one of the things that we've been very intentional about doing uh, is developing the person. Most women have a, an imposter syndrome uh, issue. Um, and some of them, you know, we, we've got this thing where we do a lot but we talk about a little bit because we, we almost want it to be validated before I can say I've done this and I know how to do it, right? And I think in, in that way, people miss the fact that the, the, the person needs to be developed along with the business because the two have separate journeys. Um, and so the, the two need to, as, as the business is ramping up, the person also needs to be ramping up. So, you know, us having the capabilities that we have means that we are able to develop the people fully um, because it's something that we're currently doing. And also with the organizations that we're going to, for instance, we help them with their organizational structures. Um, how do they do their people management in order to be able to, to map how they reach their goals, um, how they're using their resources and stuff like that. And even that will be able to assist in the business because we know how a, what a business needs when it's small versus what a business needs when it's scaling. And then I think one of the biggest things we do is we're big on relationships, we're big on partnerships. We strongly believe that that's the only way we'll grow um, as businesses in South Africa, especially. I, I don't know why people feel like, you know, we must all make it by ourselves. I, I really, truly believe that, you know, together we can actually go further. So we're huge on partnerships. And we found that the more people we spoke about, um, with about Emise's evolution, the more people are like, oh, I'd love to actually, you know, give a training on funding. I'd like to give a training on how to finance your business better. I'd like to give a training on confidence. Someone was actually even saying that we take for granted how um, uh, what is called look consultation. <laughs> how you look. Yeah. You know, so someone was saying that, that that's what they do. Like image consulting. Image consultant. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like it, it, you don't understand how, how much of a boost it gives you when you feel good about yourself. It gives you a little bit more confidence. And it seems small, but these are the things that we're looking at to change how we're doing uh, things and we're bringing more support to these women. Yeah, no, it, 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 is, it is a real thing. I remember a couple of years ago, I heard a story uh, of a guy who, was, who quits his job, mm -hmm. sort of down and out, quits his job, uh, decides to start an engineering company um, and was living in like a one room. And whatever money he had, all he was doing was developing business plans and going for pitches. And the savings he had was just going into renting really nice suits and really nice cars that he would take to these business pitches. And the strategy worked. After wow. some time, he was able to get like a, just for the business you exactly, want, yeah. just for the job he, you want, not yeah. the one you have. Yeah, the the the, the image he portrayed, <laughs> despite his his real world circumstances, uh, you know, was a big thing. And um, I think the, the the people part of things is is very what you call this is very pertinent. Mm -hmm. When you talk to a lot of investors, especially people in the VC space, mm -hmm. um, you do understand that a lot of the time people are taking a bet on the person, not not necessarily um, the business model. Um, it's like, ah, yeah, your business, yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah. But I think you have potential. You have potential. So I, I think the development from that point of view is, uh, you know, is very keen. What are, what are you teaching? 
right? Because uh, I'm hearing you talking about the, the 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 image side of things. I'm sure there's business yes. uh, model development. The you know there's all of this, uh, but I'm very keen to understand wh- where does the psychology of 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 money and all of that fit into whatever it is that you guys are doing, because at least in our communities, yes. uh, I think we have very bad relationships mm-hmm. with with money and uh, how we talk about money mm-hmm. in our families, and that tends to inform mm-hmm. how people approach um, their entry into business or lack thereof. Yes. Yeah. So what are we teaching? I probably won't be able to touch on all of them, right? Yeah. But money, yes, it is a big part of what we're talking about. Like I'd mentioned that it, there's a lady that we we are working with who's focused purely on on helping these business women understand how what their books mean. You know how the books look like. How do you speak investment language? Because that's part of investment readiness, right? How do you don't need to know everything there is to know about investment, but do you need to a certain level have them understand the the lingo that the the investor will then have, right? And and some. It's so true. Some of the things that we're talking about, for instance, is that businesses will want to go get funding, but they don't know what they are worth, the actual business. So you don't know what to give for for what, yeah. right? And so um, we, we do teach a lot of that, from especially from the incubation. That is a, a standard thing on how to work with money, uh, investment readiness, pitch decks, obviously. Um, I'm not going to mention the the documentation, the templates, the business cases, and all of that stuff, because I feel like that's standard and how most things are being taught. Um, Then there's mentorship, which has a lot to do with the psyche, like you've mentioned. There's the technical aspect of, I've, I've done accounting, but up until I, I think I started a business, I didn't understand <laughs> most of those, the, the balance sheets and, and all of that. It just didn't make sense to me. I, I wrote it to pass and I passed. But if you can sit with someone who can make you understand that even an income statement and a balance sheet, there's a story that can be told. And how do you read that story? How do you then make that money work and grow for you? Because one of the accountants, for instance, that I was speaking to is like, you know, some people don't even understand that that can be an asset, yes. you know? So it's it's those things that real life stuff that we went through. So my dad used to say that a smart man doesn't learn from only his mistakes, but from other people's mistakes as well, right? And one of, I think the... The push for me and Yolisa, my business partner, to start Evolution was because we had gone through so many traps, business business mistakes that we didn't know we didn't know, right? Whether it was legislation, whether it was SARS, whether it was... Yeah, no tax always. Yes, <laughs> the tax spread of it is hectic, it's intense, right? And so after we had spoken to a lot of people and gotten ourselves out of these situations, we were like, we need to tell people to be ready about these things because some of them don't know that they should actually even be aware of certain things. So we've really put down our lessons learned in our businesses as we had been growing. And we are trying to make sure that we're targeting those things. Uh, We're speaking to a lot of people in business, whether they're startups or they are um, maybe a scaling up and we're finding out what are the core issues because I find that these programs just are tick box exercises and that's not what we want to do. What are the problems that we are, we are we're dealing with? You know, um, currently there's uh, load shedding. Yes. Load shedding is killing 
many, many, many businesses. You know, what are some of the smart ways that um, these businesses can think about to continue operating, you know, without the, the risk of load shedding impacting their businesses? We're really trying to make sure that we are dealing with the actual real issues we have in South Africa and Africa and solving for those things. Yeah, no, there's just there's just so so much. And I like the fact that you bring up the tick box exercise element. I remember when I um when I first started out at the Financial Mail, this was one of the first things, first investigations I ever did, um, was around business development support. And I remember reaching the conclusion, you know, in that um investigation that uh business development support appears to be an economy unto it unto itself. Um, I think at the time we had a number of uh, 20 billion. Uh, that's the number that we had at the time to say that is 20 billion rand. Uh, that is flowing through the, um, I guess the insiders call it BDS. Yeah. Uh, that is flowing through the BDS economy yeah. in South Africa. And very little of it actually ends up um, benefiting the, the, the small businesses and the startups and the entrepreneurs on the other side because uh, it's just money that ends up going to advisors, consultants, and yes. people that are doing the mentoring and the workshops. And the and they do like training stuff and then that's basic, that's it. I mean, I was part of a, an ESD in this particular company. I'm not going to mention this. I, thank God I remembered not to mention their name. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was in their books, I think, for two years. Mm. But the first year, fine, they sent, they'd send me trainings, this and this and this and this. And some of them are very interesting and I'd, I'd take them on, which was great. The following year, at exactly the same times, they sent me the same things. I was like, is no one checking that I've done this already? Because I was actually about to ask, what's the next stage? Who, who do we meet? What else can is there possible? Because most businesses are always looking for access to market. <laughs> like, yeah. once a business starts... We forget about everything else. We're like, we want, we want experience and we want access to market, even way before funding, actually. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it's, it's a lot of tick box exercise, which is not helping anybody because you're saying you're training and you're mentoring, but you're not. You know, you, you're really not. This one guy who was a trainer at the time it was online, it was during COVID. This guy spent most of the time talking about a political issue that was happening at that moment. I've forgotten what was going on. But they they had like a couple of guys and all they were talking about was, yeah, and then the ANC this. And, and I was like, what What are we doing here, guys, you know? So, yeah. We've we've been through we've been through it all. We've seen it, and we know what not to do. Okay, and I'm guessing that's what's informing the way that you are, you know, moving into this space. Because I think a natural thing that I was going to ask is to say, you know, what's your interest in this space? But I think we've already heard that it, you're an entrepreneur yourself. You've you've uh, had a lot of the same stumbling blocks um, that a lot of people um, you know are facing out yeah. there. Um, any experience in the VC space or uh, VC yeah. is broad. Okay, <laughs> okay. The funding of businesses. Um, so what, we've yeah. done it at a very minimal level, like I've mentioned. It, it wasn't we've, with 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 evolution. Actually, we've formalized what we're doing naturally. Okay. Right. So. In a very short answer, that's that's how I can put it. Mm -hmm. So we have funded a few businesses, uh, but we at the time it wasn't a VC structure. So right now, where do you see yourselves? You know, progressing. 
Um, let's look into the crystal ball a little bit. You get your 50 million rand fund and you are now investing. Um, one of the things that people always ask is what's the mandate? Are you carrying these businesses up until they get to let's say series A, series B and they're now scaling and you, they now need a growth partner and you're like, okay, cool. We've led the business up until this point we're letting go. Are you going all the way up until they, 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 they get listed. I know pri in private equity, people usually have these things, you know, bedded down. We are only going to take you from here up to there. Yeah. And then we're out. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> So, and I always feel like that's a bit unfair, right? Yeah. Uh, we 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 like to consider ourselves an impact investor, yeah. um, and so I think by definition we want to go all the way. Like I mentioned at the very beginning, the the women that we're focused at funding are the ones who are solving for the actual problems, and that means that these women are not running a tech company that's going to be like the next unicorn in the next three years, mm -hmm. right? And we're very clear and very aware of this. Um, and so we, we our, our personally, what we want to do is to be able to be there and support them, even after we funded them, support them in decision making. How are they using this money? How are they actually growing? Because that's also another problem, like you've mentioned. We're not, we don't have a lot of um, finance etiquette in most as most business uh, people when we start up, right? So I give you five million. And then I'm like, go forth and prosper. <laughs> you know, it won't work out that well for either of us. And now I need to pay investors. And you don't know how to pay investors. And so, yes, we are looking at actually being very involved, um, maybe forming a, not maybe, we will be forming an advisory little team for every company that we are funding, especially over a million, and we'll be helping them to a point where they actually can be able to return that money. Because another thing that we're doing is the VC model currently, as we're looking at it, it it's not... It's not flexible enough for South Africa, you know? And so we're looking at how, how are we reimagining how VC, the VC model can work better for South Africa, right? And so that is, I'm, I'm sure we will figure it out as we go, go along, but we are funding, we're going to be part of those people and we're going to be there until the end. Um, and I think for me, one of the biggest things is that we're not trying, we, we want to encourage them uh, to want to pay back the, 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 the money in the, in the sense that, you know, VCs, you, they'll have a share in your business. So we're trying to encourage them to buy back that share after, you know, maybe five years, 10 years. So we want them to own the business completely and, and, and have the ability to, you know, because it's an accountability. I've given you money, you can give it back. But it also helps those people to grow mentally. To, there's, there's opportunities. It, it, it just opens up your mind. And uh, one, of, one of the other things that we're really, really keen on doing is, is a domino effect model. So the people will be incubating and accelerating, want them to form part of this ecosystem. So they'll be able to give back, whether in training, whether in angel investment, whether it's literally just us setting up pitch deck uh, days and the people who've, you know, they've been in business for 10 years and they remember the struggles, they're sitting and helping other small businesses as well. So we're really wanting to, to have an engaged ecosystem um, that will be able to, 
you know, self-sustainable. I'm a very, I'm a, I call myself a lazy strategist. <laughs> Things must be self-sustainable. If I, if I'm, if I'm implementing something, it must be able to take care of itself over time. That's probably, you know, the best thing that you can do going forward, especially if you're looking to get to a point where um, something just starts generating its own PNL, you know, as opposed to just hemorrhaging cash, um, you know, all the time. It makes, it makes perfect sense. And, I also like the fact that uh, the, there is that encouragement to pay back the money. Uh, I remember in the Eastern Cape, there was uh, there's a certain government department, which I will not name, and um, they were facing quite a, a tough issue a couple of years ago, I think 2015-ish, um, where um, they would give money, um, grants to, to farmers in the, in the area, um, I don't know, three million, five million, whatever it is, because uh, agriculture tends to be very capital intensive. You need tractors and all of that. But the the issue that was being faced was the fact that um, uh, a lot of government departments um, deal with what's called a zero budget. You must spend the money, right? So in the pursuit of you must spend the money, um, the due diligence and you know making people accountable was lacking. You just give people money. And instead of using the money for a business because they know they don't have to give it back, yeah. it goes into consumption as opposed to going into into what you call this, um, going into actual into the actual business. Yeah. Obviously, we can't generalize. Not everyone is going to do that, but that is a yes. That is a it, risk. It is. It is a risk, and it's a risk that actually happens a lot, especially in the in the sector that you've mentioned <laughs> right now. So there's a lady that we we're working with, um, and I think for me that was so exciting, right? Because and and this will talk about the domino effect that we want to how we see it happening. So in this particular instance, this lady started. Uh, speaking to local farmers. So she would take their produce and go sell it for them because they didn't have a car, she had a car. So she became like the middleman. Um, and over time, she then built uh, a platform where it was easier. And by the time she was talking to us, she wanted to, to she had started a peanut butter uh, thing and she wanted to start moving further, like taking um food from Limpopo, for instance, and bring it over here. So she needed a, a, a fridge car, car with the fridge thing, a van. Yeah. Um, and so if I would give that person money, they'll either go buy like something extravagant or chow it instead of me just going to buy the car, yeah. but you are using it. Do you know what I mean? And I think that story for me is so great because by helping her, grow her business we're helping we're indirectly helping the farmers she's working you know so those are some of the solutions we when i say domino effect those are the kind of uh businesses that we're looking at because we can tech enable her right um in agri-tech and stuff like that and grow that business but you know we are also growing the other businesses she's working with um by default that reminds me of, uh, once again, there are just so many of these, uh, what you call these examples. Oh, we, on this platform, we once had a business a couple of years ago called Kula. Yeah, called Kula. They are an agri-tech platform, and they were doing something similar. And I think two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I saw that uh, ABSA has bought into the business okay. uh, because they created a digital platform, and they basically go to some of the big retailers and, you know, to say, okay, fine. You guys need 5,000 cabbages. 
we can get you that you know just to guarantee that supply and give people access to market and the like so you know it's a very good one mm. and i think for me it's an easy one right yeah. because i think honestly you know i said the one day and i was like there actually should not be a reason for poverty i know i'm, I'm a <laughs> bit um uh, you know because i said i'm like the amount of of general food that we have, right? It doesn't make sense. And the ability, for me, when I was growing up, my, my, my parents used to take me a lot to my grandmother's place in the Bundus in Matatele. And so as a child, I learned that you farm the land yeah. and then you eat the stuff later. And so I sit there and I'm like, you know, even then, when I was with my grandmother with 25 children, grandchildren she needed to take care of wow. over holidays, we were fine. We, she planted mealy meals. She taught me how to we'd make pap, we'd make bread, we'd make have it with morojo, and that's a meal done. You know, it doesn't have to be extravagant. And so for me, those are some of the things I'm like, if we actually start being intentional, you know, the, this is an easy thing for us to be able to, to combat, just teaching people that they can plant in their backyards <laughs> and, and you can make money because I can then take your produce and sell it to the, to the other person to Woolworths, to a pick and pay. And maybe pick and pay's prices go down because now they're not getting stuff at expensive rates. You know what I mean? And the whole ecosystem has become a bit better. Now, we'll, we'll wait to see how that develops over time. Uh, but as we're rounding up uh, the discussion, which has been, you know, quite fascinating, keen to get your sense on, uh, I guess, circling back um, to two things. Firstly, because you guys are raising this fund, uh, Where's the interest? Is it corporates? Is it high net worth individuals? Um, is it, I don't know, crowdfunding? Like, how are you guys? Uh, what, 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 where's the interest right now? So there's a lot of um, international companies looking okay. to invest in Africa, yeah. right? And that for us is one of the, you know, low-hanging, there's a lot of them and it's it's possible. Corporates are also our interest because they're running these, these these programs that we've been part of. And we actually, they just want to assist in how to change the, the models and how the, 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 the programs are being run. So yes, those are, are still our people. High-worth investment, yeah, people with, uh, you know, yes, because impact investment requires a person who actually won't want their return in the next three to five years. So those those people, uh, it would be easier for us to actually work with them yeah. because then they understand the, the long-term goal and the value um, of what we're trying to do. And then lastly, as part of the mandate, because we've spoken quite a bit um, about, uh, let's say, agriculture, for example, we spoke about that. Um, where else are the opportunities for women in South Africa um, as far as you can... As far as you can see right now sure. in Cyril's economy. Yes, yes. Um, I feel like everywhere, right? But I, I honestly, I'm of the belief that we need to get to a point where we stop crowding certain things because it's the next best thing to do and start focusing on some of the things that we can actually do well. Right. And so I would I would actually encourage people to do what they think they want to do. I, I always talk about the non-sexy industries. Um, those would be probably your engineering, um, mining, you know, things like that are not out of scope for women just because you're a woman. And those are places actually if a person actually has a, um, an interest in it. 
those are places that are not dominated by women yet because it's still very male-dominated. I was reading an article about fintech and how the fintech industry is blocking women from coming in. So <laughs> fintech is another one if people want to go there. We are re renewable energy. There's a lady we, uh, I met, um, she's in Tanzania. She's doing amazing things with renewable energy and she's a one-man team. She started as a one-man team, but now she's big and she started with small stuff. You know, you, you think about the guy, the, the boy who harnessed wind. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be a super amazing thing to do, but you can just start small. Um, property, I find that there's, there's, a, there's a gap there, especially with smart property, eco, uh, eco homes. Um, there's a huge, there's a huge thing that's, that's coming up there, which, you know, works with the whole UN goals and what we are trying to uh, achieve as well. All right. So that's been it. It has been a very fascinating discussion um, uh, around uh, impact investing um, uh, in South Africa, and especially just hearing how MZZ is thinking about their investment philosophy and where exactly they want to put down uh, put down the funds. Um, probably the most educational bit on my end is understanding the venture the venture builder model and uh, the, the 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 elements that are coming. I I think if I remember correctly, um, you have uh, the ideation um, that's there. You have the incubation, you have acceleration, and then you have uh, the, the funding. Yes, so you see, I've been a good student and I've understood, um, you know, what, uh, what, uh, what has been said on that front. Um, and also at the same time, uh, just being deliberate about the types of businesses um, that are being funded. In this particular case, we're looking at uh, women-owned businesses in South Africa and actually helping to push those and in that uh, and I said it earlier on uh, the piece around actually helping to develop people because a lot of the time the investors tend to invest in people not uh, necessarily the ideas themselves so anything that can be done on a personal development level um, I think Mponeng uh, mentioned the fact that a lot of um, the people that they interact with you know there's an imposter syndrome issue that has to be that has to be addressed and you know that's a why ranging you know issue um, when we look at uh, the wider society mm -hmm. and then at the same time bringing people um, bringing people together that will actually help um, when it comes to access to market mentorship and actually making people understand um, these finances because the runs and the nairas that is the most important <laughs> thing um, that's, you know, what, matters, that's what matters at the end of the day um, I think the last piece uh, is I guess that encouragement to get people into unsexy businesses. Uh, there's a book by Thomas J. Stanley. Um, it's called The Millionaire Next Door. They went around um, the United States and they did a long-term study of uh, affluent people in the United States. I think they did it for about 30 years or something. I can't remember, but it was a really long time. And, you know, they said by far the biggest source of millionaires in the United States at the time of writing that book um, was um, dry cleaning, right? Simple business, no, no, n not glittery, wow. not, right? I would have never. Yeah, but, <laughs> and it sort of makes you understand why in South Africa, for example, a lot of people do well as tradesmen, 
but being a tradesman isn't glamorous and a lot of the time i think we have that idea that if you want to go into business it must be a sexy idea this big thing and flashy but sometimes the simplest business models are the ones that uh, that are making money so yes dry cleaning yeah, yeah. that's amazing yeah. that's yeah. cool I'll, I'll use that example one day <laughs> <laughs> so that's been it it has really been a great one thank you so much we were in conversation with um, Poneng Sashia um, who is uh, CEO and co-founder of MCC Evolution Poneng thank you so much for being with us today thank you it was lovely being here And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from us and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.